I'm sorry that I missed your party. I wish I had a better excuse, but I can't even lie, you got me. I was busy thinking about boys, boys, boys. I was busy dreaming about boys, boys, boys. I was busy thinking about boys, boys, boys. Let's get ready to rumble. Welcome to Aya versus the big boys. Tonight's fight, JFK, the 9-11 special. Hello and welcome. My name is Kevin Cookman, a resident big boy and ringleader for the matchup of the century. As you very much know, we are struggling in a Delta pandemic. Most of us working from home. The side effect of that, a lot more free time to catch up on media of all shapes and sizes. We all have movies we know we should have seen by now, but just have not. Call it the canon, call it the IMDb Top 250, or call them the big boys. The pinnacles of cinema may be the most explicitly patriarchal artistic medium of all time. It is time for a bro movie beatdown. Without any further ado, in today's episode and every episode, watching today's film for the very first time, I am joined by the titular prize fighter herself. Her grandfather was probably the third shooter, Aya <laughs> Lehman. <laughs> hey now. Hey now. Prove me wrong. Present me with evidence, facts, and logic, and prove me wrong, Layman. Jeez Louise. My God. I don't know if any of my family's ever been to Texas. At least the white ones. I don't know about them. But uh, TBD. <laughs> oh, man. Look, I, I just want to get right to it. This is the most excited I have ever been he to ask this question. Buzzing. Oh, man. I am vibrating. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> How... Has your <laughs> week been, Aya Layman? <laughs> honestly, share with the audience how your week has been. Please share with the audience. <laughs> Kevin, you can do it. My week has been fine. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just fine, Aya. What kept it from being a good week? What kept it from being a great week? Why was it just fine? I had a fine week because uh-huh. I could not leave my home because I have been infected by the novel coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to vomit. <laughs> I caught COVID at a wedding. (laughs) I did. I did. I did. I, uh, (laughs) how, first of all, Mm -hmm. can you answer this firsthand? Is COVID real? (laughs) I have one friend who has been gaslighting me. Kind of as a bit. It started out not as a bit, and then it became a bit <laughs> that I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> I was, who the fuck is doing that? 
the she's fuck like, is wrong with just you? Just have allergies. <laughs> <laughs> the two positive tests that you took at home and the one that you sent in to it's, the office. It's now two that I've taken professionally, too. Oh, good, good. Mm-hmm. Did the second one also come back positive? It did, or? it did. <laughs> oh, so you still ago. have it. Good, all right. Well, here's the thing that I learned. Yes. Okay, informative Aya's information corner. <laughs> Learn from my mistakes, baby. Um, it can be in my system for up to a month, probably. All right. I could keep testing, and even though I'm no longer contagious as of tomorrow, and I no longer really have any symptoms except for this stupid uh, sinus stuff won't go leave, leave me alone. Um, the guy basically, so public health called me and was like, hey... And he was super nice. He was like totally tiptoeing, like, so, you know, based on your positive test, it might, it sounds like you might have. And I was like, I have it. It's okay. Like, I know. And he was like, okay, good. <laughs> it's like, yeah. He was like, I was like, but I do have more tests lined up just in case. And he was like, why? And I said, well, I don't know. What if, wait, I want to know when it leaves my system. And he's like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, no. I have been instructed to quarantine, isolate all the stuff till tomorrow, Friday. And then after that, I'll be okay to go about my life because I no longer have symptoms and I will not have be contagious. Okay. But I may still test positive for a month. All right. It could still be in my system. But so, so what happens with, uh, I guess if most events start being like vaccine card holders. Yeah. You could still be testing positive, but you have a vaccine card, so you can still yeah. go in. So, so, but you're not contagious. No. I may not have been contagious this whole time. Like, when you have the vaccine, yeah. I do, uh, you... <laughs> what if I was lying this whole time? Because I am vaccinated. <laughs> um, you have, like, a lower viral load, and uh, you're less contagious mm. or like, you know, and so uh, I don't know, like no one around me has tested positive or is even showing symptoms. So, yeah, because you live in pretty close quarters with, with others. Yes. Which and, is a good and sign. At my most at when I was probably the most contagious, I was like out and about still kind of <laughs> thinking it was allergies, <laughs> not outside. I didn't leave my home. For, I truly have not left my home since last week, but I was out in communal spaces <laughs> okay okay clarification. you were just yeah, infected motherfuckers like festivals. it was nothing uh, <laughs> uh so my second question for you okay so the vaccine works it does Did your vaccine work i don't know <laughs> i think i told your you your vax was asleep at the wheel for this yes, one that it felt like um my vaccine was taking a nap and COVID walked through the doors, and then my vaccine was like, "Wait, <laughs> we gotta figure this out." Also, uh, these symptoms suck. Like the the post back, like br- the breakout symptoms, they suck. Like the normal symptoms were bad, like fever, shortness of breath, all that stuff. Cough. I didn't really have a cough. I didn't have a fever. I didn't experience shortness of breath, but I was so congested, I thought my head was going to explode for days. Oh my god! Yeah. And now I no longer can taste or smell. <laughs> still. Uh, taste is better and smells getting there, but it's still not what it once so was. I'm curious. How are you gauging that? Like, how do you know what percentage you're at of how much you can taste? I, it's hard to explain, but you can just, you just know, you know, when you're not getting the full potential of a, like a piece of pizza. I think it just, I can tell because it takes me longer to fig- to taste it. 
And then okay. when I do, I'm like, this isn't the same as it once was. And not in like a forgotten childhood, like, oh, <laughs> like the Ratatouille scene. Yeah. Like, it's truly just like, oh, I like this isn't right. Have you experimented with it with like the longer you keep food in your mouth? Ooh. You'll see you can like time when the taste gets to you. I mean, it's not like that slow. Like okay. it comes eventually, like, like pretty quickly. It's just not like the same. Right, right. It's not the instantaneous response. So because it's not that, it feels like forever. Exactly. It's so weird. Like, it's truly something you cannot explain. Like, the way that I cannot smell, I, like, almost can't even remember what smells smell like. Because it is such, like, an important, like, sensation. <laughs> I, it's so weird. I can't describe it. It's so strange. What's the, uh, what's the prognosis on how long you're fucked up for? I don't know. They say it could be months. Holy shit. I is hope it so- not. But I feel but, like so, I'm, it's, it's moving quicker than I expected. Like, I fully could not taste on, like, Sunday. Yeah. I mean, you sound functional now. Like, you don't sound like you have a respiratory disease. No, I'm totally fine. Like, that's yeah. the thing I've been telling people basically since, again, Sunday. Sunday, Saturday and Sunday was when I really lost this taste and, and smell sensations, but everything mm-hmm. else got better. So I'm basically fine. Like, you can kind of hear it in my voice. It's a little nasally still. But, like, overall, I'm fine. Like... Again, I think I have a sinus infection maybe because it's just like lasting, but like I don't, I took like a Sudafed today and that's it. How do you feel? Fine. No, but like mentally, how do you mentally? feel? Mentally? Get me <laughs> you, out of you, this home. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, it, it's been, what is it? 16 months? 17 months maybe? Oh my God. Yeah. 17 months and it finally got to you. Yeah. It got me. You finally got, got me tapped. Mm-hmm. September 2021 was when Omar came for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, I don't know. It's kind of, it's not funny, but it's like funny. (laughs) It's a, yeah. My friend called me in tears, fearing for my life. And I was like, I'm fine. (laughs) I don't know. It sounds so bad, but I was like, girl, Miss Dolly got me. Like, I got the Moderna shot. Miss Dolly Parton has ensured that I'm going to live through this. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So having it has not, like, shifted you mentally or anything? Do you you feel like you've been infiltrated? Like, what's it it like having it? Like, (laughs) spiritually, how do I feel now that I have had the novel coronavirus? Honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's silly. Because I've spent over almost two years being mortified of this shit. <laughs> and you right now are talking to me like fucking uh, like Yoda. You know, like, oh, yes, I had it. Wow. <laughs> what you going to do? <laughs> it's my Yoda, my best... Uh, my, the best one I can do in this time of duress. I think I've read enough articles at this point that were basically all like, if you haven't had a breakthrough case already, you probably did, but you were asymptomatic. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's so prevalent right now in, ev- like, everywhere that I'm just kind of like, <sighs> I don't know. It was a matter of time. It was. I'm kind of shocked that no one else I know, at least, knows that they had it. You know? Like, no one else, like, close to me has, like, tested positive or anything. Uh, I'm like the first of most of my close friends. I know like two of my friends have had it before, but that's like like almost a year ago. Hmm. Curious. You're the only one out of a circle of friends all closely circling around you. 
Aya, this doesn't sound like a coincidence. <laughs> this <laughs> might just Beautiful be segue. A larger conspiracy. <laughs> I think you're the mark. I think you got fucked. <laughs> my immune system was just low because I had like an IUD like a month ago. Oh my god. That's the one no, that you insert, right? That's not the <laughs> oh, okay. I was about to one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah fucking time is september of the delta breakout that's the one baby that's it get this pussy wrecked for the october variant yeah <laughs> M- M- mew is coming oh it's like the is pokemon it? movie like um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do my best here i'm gonna cut you off i'm cutting you off and you don't want to talk I'm, about the cutest pokemon mew i'm gonna be Second a good to friend for once i uh, a good friend and get your mind off of your ailments and instead Thank you. Get your mind on all of the war crimes of the CIA and the American <laughs> imperialist project from the early 20th century to today. Here we go. Does that sound like a good distraction from coronavirus? Yeah, great. Honestly, <laughs> I texted you, and this is before you even knew that I had the novel coronavirus. I texted you manically after watching the Zapruder film, after scrolling through so many articles, and just like truly, not like, like truly scrolling like 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 uh what is the word that i'm looking for reading (laughs) it's not reading though it's when you're not reading glazing glazing no there's a word (laughs) not reading maybe you need to put a not in front of the verb barely reading it i was skimming (laughs) i was skimming Skimming. articles manically skimming articles watching the zapruder film rewatching jackie i watched a scene from chappaquiddick like I was like, okay, let's distract myself from the novel coronavirus, the Delta variant. Let wow. us get in. Let's get hyped. And you were like, what is happening? <laughs> now, uh, big question: Did you log the Zapruder film on Letterboxd? Should I? You can. I'm not going to. I mean, here, that's here's how a, that here, seems uh, fucked. <laughs> this is this is a great bar question, uh, folks. If you're ever on a first date, this is a great one to open up with. Aya, oh, yeah. I want to try it on you. Okay, Aya, is the Zabruder film cinema? <laughs> I mean, yes, it it has the same spirit as the train pulling into a station does. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess both are 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 not simulated events. Shock both factor are, high. Yeah. Uh, short clips short clips but one at the hands of a filmmaker and the other at the hands of someone just trying to personally archive something a man enjoying a trip by the president a visit from the president in which case all the rest of us turned it into cinema yeah case closed. it's a documentary <laughs> good day <laughs> goodbye <laughs> nice to meet you so you went down the rabbit hole a little bit of, I did. Of, of JFK conspiracy theories and just history. But what? <sighs> okay. Okay. Today we are talking about Oliver Stone's. Yes. 1991 opus JFK, a nearly three and a half hour long Whew. descent into the abyss of a maniac's brain. When you, listener at home, are finding this episode so comfortable and cozy in your podcast feed, you might notice the date. Today is the 20th anniversary 
the <laughs> stop laughing <laughs> i'm just there's no good way for this to come out today is the 20th anniversary of 9-11 it is it is <laughs> 20 years ago planes just went into the world trade center and dropped those bitches i mean just a one of the single worst terrorist attacks in u.s history that then spurred a uh seemingly righteous attack on entire uh swaths of middle easterners and mena culture and uh one of the ugliest events in not just in the body count but in all that it did and justified afterwards uh one of the darkest days perhaps in human history for mostly just all that came after yep oh man you know that z- there are Zoomers that don't know what 9-11 is? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've seen too many explainers uh, that are like, uh, and this was 9-11, which, by the way, is when two planes went into the World Trade Center in 2001. <laughs> like, it's... We're at that point where this is uh, now history. Uh, this is just a, a thing that happened, I think. I know. What do you think? Has the has the sensitivity button on nine eleven gone away? In my experience, like on the internet, yes. In oh, real yeah. life, no. Yeah, it's a really good dividing line. If you ever wanted to see the difference between a digital space and a real real yeah. space, <laughs> people were making nine eleven jokes real quick. Like I remember hearing them. I think maybe seventh, eighth grade, and they really kicked into gear. They had like a resurgence. When meme culture came back into the fold in like 2015. Yes. Ex- yes. Uh, that was huge. When 2015 comes along Vine. and you get the pe- Pepe's, you get all that shit. 9-11 memes are going wild. That's when you get like the George Bush uh, p- parody tweets of like uh, jet fuel can't melt steel beams becomes Naturally. a punchline. Yeah. Well, Aya, what was your first introduction to a, a 9-11 joke? And what was your reaction? I think it was probably that one. Jet fuel can't melt steel beams. <laughs> you know, I heard one pretty recently, and I'm going to tell you where. I'm going to tell okay. you what the... Co- it was the right. strangest experience I've had in a long time. And, like, like shit's not normal. This was no. extremely <laughs> strange. Okay. So, we went to Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville for oh. a friend's birthday. Oh, were you infected with the novel coronavirus at the Margaritaville? Not yet, not yet. <laughs> all right, not yet, not yet. <laughs> I would end it all if I infected Margaritaville. <laughs> Good people of Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. So uh, our waiter was a little strange. Okay. He just had a strange energy about him. You know, LA waiters, especially at Universal City Walk. Oh, no. Probably want to be an actor, probably want to be a comedian. Just like a straight, like, it's just like a very strange energy there. And we were all kind of like, haha, like, nervous laugh, strange energy. So we are ordering drinks. And my friend's boyfriend says, hey, I'm actually not going to have a drink tonight. No, thank you. And this strange waiter who was from Jersey, he said, that is a bigger disaster than 9-11. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> and moved on. Like, waited for a laugh, and he moved on. And I think that's You the didn't s- give him a laugh for that? You didn't it give was, him a pity laugh? I didn't even hear him. I didn't hear him say it. Oh. It was quiet. It was delivered exclusively to one person. <laughs> <laughs> it was the strangest thing that's happened to me in so long. 
And that was my most recent um, encounter. So 9-11 jokes seemingly have gone from going real fringe and weird shit on the internet yeah. to now they're creeping into our 2020s lexicon of basically being synonymous with, oh, the Titanic. I guess so. That's crazy. It was very strange, Kevin. That's really weird. <laughs> it was real. I can't even tell you how strange it was. It was, aw- and it was like a table of people who wouldn't be like shocked by a 9 yeah. 11 joke, but that uh-huh. one was so strangely delivered that it was, sh- it shocked us all. The table fell silent. <laughs> it's, it, it is such like a, a, like a dad, it's a waiter joke. But it's a waiter joke that involves like that's like so dark. Yeah, it's just like man, that's a bigger tragedy than the destabilization of the Congo. Just like what? It's just a very you okay. know the body count. You can see bodies. Yeah, I I definitely didn't take the nine eleven jokes very fondly. I was like, oh, there's a lot of things to joke about. Why are we joking about nine eleven? I think I was mostly just kind of uh, peeved that. Of all the things to joke about, it was just saying 9-11 was a joke, which I, was, yeah. I just found annoying. I, I guess some people find it and obviously defined it as some form of alt comedy. And I just like, give me, give me, give me an actual joke. I don't, I, no more Hannah Gadsby shit. I want a joke. <laughs> if you want a joke about 9-11, don't give me. Give me a setup like make it like set up punchline nuance exactly maybe exactly. a pause for and then I'm like oh I get it you know I oh nine eleven oh nine days nine eleven is kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> like as a thing that can be funny nine eleven is kind of in those ranks because I think we so clearly now know or at least us in our mid twenties yeah. Our, our understanding of it is, is beyond the conspiracy theorizing of jet fuel can't melt steel beams. Yeah. Like, we, we are kind of in communities that very clearly understand that, oh, the United States kind of created this problem, and it catapulted into our buildings. <laughs> so, I, I, we kind of have that new understanding of it where we c- kind of connect it to our today versus yeah. I feel like our entire childhoods, it's just been this giant looming trauma for all the adults around us right well we just had to be happy that we missed a day of school you got to miss that day of school yeah my parents didn't take me to fucking school on 9-11 are you kidding me i was there (laughs) your parents let made you go to school yeah of course what do you even do they had jobs what are you talking about (laughs) what were they gonna do i don't know no one knew what was happening that day it was like uh you know everyone thought like oh the world trade center what's next (laughs) hollywood boulevard you know people were like fucking going crazy yeah no i was in that second grade classroom and what was did you do you remember what you did that (laughs) i do i remember waking up and being like oh the tv's on cool yeah. My parents tried to explain to me, but I was like, I'm I'm seven. I don't have that level of um understanding or like <laughs> empathy yet. Like I had not developed that level of empathy yet. But I remember sitting right. I, I went to a, a like a Episcopalian school and sitting in chapel and our headmistress, like all of us were in chapel, and I was like, What is going on? And our headmistress was like, Morning, and we were all like, Good morning. And she said, No. Morning. And we were like <laughs> I remember that so clearly. She tried to explain to us. I'm sure she did a wonderful job. But again, I was a second grader, seven years old, being like, "Mm, buildings? I don't understand it. Now, of course, 
I understand <clears throat> how complicated that day must have been for her. But as a child, I was like, what is going on? Yeah, I guess the only thing that happened kind of before then, you have like Columbine two years prior and then 96 is like the Oklahoma City bombing. Where like I was too young to, there's no point in explaining anything of those things to me. Exactly. Yeah. You're just, just give Aya her bottle. Just keep going about our day on this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it is very weird. Uh, the space that this event occupies now where on one hand, the sensitivity being kind of stripped away has led to jokes. Sure. Which I guess a lot of people would be most interested in, but it's also, I feel like you can talk more analytically about 9-11 without it being like a, Ooh, e ah, like type of topic. Mm-hmm. At least like even like in a in an analytical space like this, where we just we talk about shit, bringing up 9-11 isn't like some stunt that we do or yeah. something. Like it's an actual thing that has affected the past 20 years of our existence. And so you like can kind of talk about so it. So many ways. It's a cultural revolution. Then like so many more ways than you could ever express how it has shaped the way that we have moved forward. Airport security. <laughs> <laughs> First and foremost, the TSA. God, what a beautiful bubble that if we live in. If you ever made. go on the Wikipedia page for a TV show that got mm-hmm. canceled in 2001 or 2002, every single one will say, basically, like, we're not saying 9-11 was to blame, but <laughs> America wasn't ready for that kind of energy. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, I know, like, Zoolander, like, f- notoriously yeah, flopped. because it came out Be- right after. Yeah, and then Spider-Man had to CGI out the World Trade Center. Yeah. How weird. What a weird focus. Like, oh, so there's a terrorist attack in September. We got to CGI out the building that got attacked for so our May weird. release. So weird. Uh, dystopian, I love it. Yeah, entertainment first, baby. Entertainment first in it also uh, basically laid out the path to uh, a new wave of conspiracy theorizing uh, that has basically uh, built and built and built to the point where we have active QAnon members in Congress. Oh, God, man. It's been an overwhelming time to feel like. <laughs> uh, I know we should people, not know all these things. I know that, like... People keep tweeting, like, I'd love to live in precedented times. And then someone else will dunk on them and be like, there's literally never been precedented times. And I'm like, I don't. I'm like, I'm right in between where I'm like, you know what? I I just feel like we've learned I'm 27 and I have experienced so much. (laughs) And I have so much information in my brain that I don't think belongs there at all. Like at all. It's it's an odd one because I kind of agree with that precedented times comment where it's like, yeah, it's true. Like things have always been like really weird. Yeah. There have also been like, I feel like longer pockets in the 20th century where nothing was really, ha- where things were obviously happening, but things were very clearly not domestic affairs. You know yeah. what I mean? And like, like they didn't have the level of like constant updates that we have. Like yes, you knew yes. that the amount, like the amount of things that someone would read in a weekly newspaper, like in like the Sunday New York Times, if you read every single page, is what I can learn from like fifteen minutes on Twitter dot com. Easily, easily. Like my brain is bad; <laughs> it's rotting <laughs> inside of me. Do you feel like uh, the information overload 
do like do you feel like it's actually rotting you or or because i i on one hand i am kind of grateful for this influx of information no i i'm not i I don't want to know this any of it at all (laughs) and i don't think anyone else should know it and i think that um like i want to live in a house in the middle of nowhere like i don't want to know this i don't want to engage with this like i don't want to like 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 i should be in a field you know like we should no all be in participation in, in 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 any of this we should all be vibing and sitting by fires and telling little stories and like I, sure i wouldn't know who bts is and you know what i'll take it at this point i might take it <laughs> Bro, COVID like warped your brain into like full hippie. <laughs> this has truly been my thought for you like want the woods. this entire year where I'm like, I'm done with, uh, like we live in a society and I'm sick of it. <laughs> Aya, do you have any uh, favorite conspiracy theories out there? Conspiracy theories are, I think, a big topic for our show to bring up because uh there's really nothing that goes together better than peanut butter and chocolate and conspiracy theories and divorced men. <laughs> uh, it is such a fully masculine ideal in that it, it, it brings in everything. It brings in, I'm right, you're wrong. It brings in entitlement. It brings in full-blown obsession. Uh, you name it. it it's probably, you, you, you've probably had a crush on a man that has, has oh, had oh. all these things. It is funny that you say that because usually I'm like, yeah, sure, it's masculine. But I feel like I know a lot of girlies who are into all sorts of conspiracy theories. All Is that like a recent s- thing, you think? I do. I do think so. Because you know my favorite conspiracy theory? It's obviously... It's obviously... The Larry conspiracy theory. That Louis and Harry in One Direction were dating. Oh. Because that is... <sighs> the funniest thing in the entire world. Okay. Okay. The length to which the girlies would go, Kevin. It's the it's it's my favorite conspiracy theory. Like I, I nothing's ever going to top that for me. Maybe maybe the Avril Lavigne died and was replaced. Sure, but like that one is like unshakable. Oh God, everyone went nuts. People went nuts. People went nuts. And I love it. I love my very conspiracy theory. What about you? See, I'm, I'm often caught in the middle of like, what's a conspiracy theory and what's just a complicated thing? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is the difference between me babbling on and on about something that might be connected to another thing and me simply explaining from a history book uh, how... One action, surprise, surprise, affects another action. <laughs> I, it is so easy, I think, for something that you think is a, a, a certified evidential truth to just be deemed written off as a conspiracy theory. That it, uh, I mean, good, because most, most times a guy that looks like me and sounds like me <laughs> rattles off about U.S. history, you should imprison them. You should get them off the streets away from other people. But then there are other times where me, right now, I'm special and I'm right, right now, sometimes, hey, maybe the CIA destabilized South America, and that's why everyone's scared of, of, of Colombians uh, and Brazilians uh, and Ecuadorians. Guatemalans and Salvadorians. Maybe that's the reason why uh, there's now this vested racism throughout the entire Western Empire, uh, because we have uh, destabilized these countries to such an extent that uh, 
not to say that they have to relegate to savagery, but in our eyes of how we determine how government should work, sure looks like savagery through those history books we read. Of course, of course, of course, of course. Conspiracy theory, baby. That's just a conspiracy theory, right? It's just a conspiracy theory. It's like what's not provable because it is made up and what's not provable because it is classified in CIA documents that we may never read. Exactly. <laughs> That's the I, I I've been reading a lot about the CIA these past couple of weeks to prepare for this episode. Scary. Scary, honestly. The text I've received from this man. Scary. <laughs> scary. <laughs> Uh, it's been a really fun time. Uh, I have felt even more secure in this country than I've ever felt. Uh, I love that John F. Kennedy hated leftists so much. It made me feel really cool about everything I've ever said publicly on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> How this bleeding liberal of the 20th century was a fierce anti-communist who sent his fucking murderous brother to kill thousands of South Americans. Really cool stuff. Really feels good. Um, I've been reading a lot because on, on just one basic hand, a movie like JFK is a type of film that has kind of kicked me in the ass before. Uh, I have seen like Steven Spielberg's Lincoln, uh, a lot of like historical biopics. I film I fell asleep in. <laughs> that, exactly. That's the thing. Like I have fallen asleep in Lincoln as well. And all these historical films, I'm like, what is, what am I, mi- is, is, what am I missing? Is there like another level of growing up I have to do for this to suddenly become interesting? And what I realize is that for that shit to become interesting, you just need a vested interest in U.S. history. And so in my hubris of never wanting a film to defeat me, I was like, okay, maybe I should research what this epic was all about. And then maybe I can go into the film. JFK, when I watched this film for the first time, I was like, yeah, JFK got shot in the fucking face. He got bodied. That's all I know. (laughs) Uh, Now that I've read more about his administration, I would see people come up and people would mention like the Warren Commission and like this testimony did this. And I was like, oh, I know what the Warren Commission is. I know who this witness is. I've read about you. I know what happens to you in 30 years. And it suddenly became a much more connected dots experience where I'm like, oh, so that's who this movie is for. People who just developed a mental illness. (laughs) Like, just did it. Like, people fresh out of the development cycle for it. I forgot what the initial question was, but that's the point I'm going to make. We'll get into JFK in a, in a bit. I promise. I promise. I promise. <laughs> 40 I promise. minutes into the episode. We'll get there. We'll get <laughs> yeah. to the movie. <laughs> I want to know, specifically, I think maybe the three biggest... Let me rephrase this. The JFK assassination, 9-11, and the Capitol riot from this year. Okay. Maybe coronavirus slash coronavirus. Let me say something really fast. Yes. As I was watching this movie, I was reminded that the Capitol riot happened this calendar year. Mere nine months ago. Like a baby was probably... Actually, baby, like what has might might have been born in that time. (laughs) Like that from that day to this day could have even not been born yet. Might be a little late. Like. Actually, pregnancy is usually like closer to like 10 months. So there might, yeah, there's probably, probably a bun still in the oven. Still in the oven. It was that is that recent. Like, uh, like what about this film? We don't talk about it every single day. Well, it's because like, okay, yeah. you know, it, it reminded me of it because I was shocked to realize what when when Sissy Spacek says that was three years ago. You know, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he's like diving deep into the case in 66, 
even though all this stuff happened in 63. She's like, that was three years ago. But people are still discussing it, like, in the news and things like that. Like, it's not, like, old news yet. It's just kind of like, oh, you know, it's not fresh. It's been nine months, almost to the day, since the, like, a literal coup was attempted on the United States government, and we don't talk about it anymore, ever. Let let me backtrack to the question. JFK assassination, 9-11, Capitol riot, slash maybe coronavirus. I don't know which one takes precedent, but... (laughs) Maybe the fact that they're happening at the exact same time. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, Capitol riot. These are three bases, maybe the three biggest bases of American conspiracy theories, maybe in the history of the country. Sure. I mean, I think QAnon in general, because I think QAnon is like the... Right. It's just QAnon. That's, that's that a good covers point. Pizzagate. That covers the Capitol riots. That covers even to an extent partially like the coronavirus. <laughs> have so conspiracy theories have, have run rampant from these three events. And you're right. I think Capitol riot is ultimately a part of a larger thing. Mm-hmm. I just it just, just feels in so terms dumb. of like an event. <laughs> it just feels so dumb saying JFK assassination, 9-11 and Pizzagate. Like, <laughs> it does. <laughs> Silly. Um, but like these are three events that have uh, basically spurred off into our environment some of the most uh, uh, poisonously br- poison-brained people that you could ever uh, meet that have ever been created in the history of mankind. Do you think conspiracy theories have affected your day-to-day life, or are these things that you can kind of look at in a zoo? Um, I think both. I think it's probably affected my life more than I could ever know. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like ha- ha- like knowing and seeing which pictures that you're in the background of, of of other people that have taken like pictures in the streets. Exactly. Yeah. Like whose family photos am I in? Whose like video of Disneyland am I in? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. As much as I love to just like take a moment and be like, oh, we love conspiracy. There's Netflix documentaries, a whole series about conspiracy theories. But I'm like, these are fundamental. And it's so weird that JFK is still considered a conspiracy theory that it wasn't lee harvey oswald when it was it's literally been basically proven (laughs) the cia all but admitted that it wasn't just that to quickly know single shooter to their their chagrin they had to admit that yeah the cia's uh playbook throughout their entire history is being furious at congress for constantly having to declassify classified materials (laughs) Like, just being so fucking pissed that they have to spill secrets. Uh, evil shit. But yeah, no, you're right. Are JFK conspiracies completely old hat? No, because, like, I feel like everyone still talks about them all the time. Yeah. Like, I've, I feel like uh, a funny thing about JFK is that when my, I told you this over text, when my grandmother was dying. <laughs> oh, no. It was truly like that scene <laughs> in the, the John Mulaney bit where he was like, <laughs> you ever see a ghost? My dad was just like at, they were at the breakfast table together chatting and he just goes mom he's like you know just sitting there with his mother after like being there for like two weeks mom who killed jfk and she was like the mob (laughs) like she had the answer so some people still think that i mean was she like in her 80s yes but like you know it's still up for debate apparently quote unquote up for debate well that's so interesting because they bring up that point specifically in the film yeah and it's Michael Rooker's character brings up that point. And it's in this beautiful scene where he's just going, oh, please, can we, please, can we blame it on the mob? Do we have to blame it on the government? Please, I love the government. Please, can we just blame it on the mob? And Kevin Costner goes, no, 
It was the government. So the long and end of it, uh, your your grandmother basically didn't want to believe that it was the government that killed JFK. And yeah, of course, of course, of course, of course. It's a pretty good scapegoat, you know. People always pin uh, Sinatra dying of old age on the mafia as well. Naturally, so, people, you know, it's something you don't want to believe. The mob was always a, a even though didn't Sinatra famously say that he would put a mob hit on Woody Allen if Mia Farrow just asked? Yeah, I think Sinatra has always been kind of like <laughs> a mob guy. But yeah. it's kind of like saying, like, Drake has shooters, you know? It's <laughs> all right. It's all right, buddy. <laughs> sure. With Sinatra, I believe it much more. I feel like my brain is going crazy. I don't know about you. Okay. I want to ask you straight up, yeah. right into it. We watched Oliver Stone's JFK. I watched it for the second time. You watched it for the very first time. Launches the beginning of the 90s and kind of takes a cultural consciousness throughout the rest of the 90s. Largely because Oliver Stone is just continuing his insane, I mean, insane is, is understating it, but just what a run that he had. What did you think of his 1991 film JFK? And what do you, th- what do you think of good old JFK? You like the guy? I like, enjoyed this movie. I did. It was basically a large, like, it was a hyperfixation project. It was every single scene was the biggest info dump you've ever heard. It, and then interspersed with, like, studio notes where they were like, can you at least give him, like, family troubles? <laughs> like, something has to happen. Um, I, I liked it. I thought it was, f- I don't know. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But I like weird hyperfixation things like i like a, a weird project where someone's like yeah we're going nuts let's do it what's nuts about this movie every single scene again other than the the obvious like little family drama scenes is an info dump every single scene is like your teacher getting in trouble because they showed you this film in class and went <laughs> on for 50, the full 50 minute block about all the other things that could have happened in the situation. And it's like presented so factually. Like this, did this? Okay. This really okay. happened, right? Like the, camp, the guy me? Kevin Costner is playing. <laughs> so JFK assassination <laughs> really happened, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the character Kevin Costner, like this is real. Like this is a real trial. This is a real trial. Okay. Uh, I thought the, so, but I didn't yeah. want to like look like an ass and you're like I have this is made up <laughs> but I do feel like a made up thing like like if this was all made up that is a way more like 2000s to 2010s thing to do than a 90s thing to do like th- that would not that's not something that would make be like a film in the 90s can you make this film today JFK in general sure it kind of did happen in the report do you remember huh? the report? Do you remember the report? Oh, the movie. The oh, movie. Is, is that the, uh, it's the Adam, Adam Driver. Driver. Adam oh, Driver joint. wow. I yeah. forgot about that one. Okay. I remember watching it and being like, okay, so I'm just being handed information? Yes. But I think the interesting link between the two is how dubiously that information is being shared mm-hmm. and through what lens. Uh-huh. Speak on that. When you watch JFK... You can be honest. I'm not going to f- flame you for this because I, th- I, this is part of like the trick of Oliver Stone's movies. Yeah. Did you think you were being fed history or do you think you were being fed conspiracy theories? Well, I think because I know that it's like basically true. Right. I was like, okay, I, this is history. But I that, think to like, yeah. I think to like, if my 
like realistically, if my father watched this movie, he'd probably be like, this is made up. This guy's nuts, you know? <laughs> With JFK and a film that he does in 1995 called Nixon, which is, you could guess what that film's about. Ooh. Basically, <laughs> Oliver Stone's big thing. Okay, let me, re- let me bring that back. What we understand filmmakers and storytellers to be is illusionists. We, we think of them as like, they are obviously presenting an artificial lie to the screen, but I am buying it because there's, I'm, I'm in the world of whatever the story or film is. Mm-hmm. Oliver Stone is obviously using the template of real life American history to go beyond becoming an illusionist and goes full con artist and wants to basically lie to you. That is the biggest thing of an Oliver Stone film is sifting through the actual history and finding out where he's making shit up. Okay. Where is he? I mean, I think Nixon literally opens with a title screen saying, this is hypothesized from records and documents. He basically says up front, none of this probably happened, but this is what I think maybe happened. Okay. And it goes on for three hours of bludgeoning you with so many details about the Nixon administration and the breadth of the mid-20th century that there is such a mix of lies and truth that you don't really know the difference anymore. And by the time you walk out, you are kind of led to believe by Oliver Stone that he has shown you the actual truth. When in reality, he has basically tossed you down the rabbit hole of his own maniacal understanding of the world (laughs) and gone, okay, see, I'm the right one. Which I think JFK also is. Like, the, the big Oliver Stone running thread about telling the history of the United States and the one that he goes super hard in with JFK is that the secret cabal of elite hitmen that make everything happen in the United States, they're all weird gay freaks. Okay, yes. I was that, like, hold yeah. on. Hold uh-huh. on. <laughs> uh-huh. That is just him being a classical liberal. Yeah. That is him going full 2008, I'll vote Prop 8 if it means they don't have to mess with me. Full liberal, like, oh, they can live their life, whatever that is, all that. Yeah, but I just don't want to see it. (laughs) So that's kind of Oliver Stone's deal, where these films, I feel, we have lost the privilege to make any of these today. There is no world where we could literally make a film that is so well-researched I think that's where the report comes in. The report is almost the antithesis to an Oliver Stone film okay. where it is pure reporting and going yeah. full in on it. And then the sort There's of like, like, like Adam Driver's barely a character in that movie. He's literally exactly. just like a vessel for information. <laughs> He's a vessel for information. And then the cushioning around it is just regular like TV dialogue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. no one wants to put words into those characters mouths in the report other than what would be just stock dialogue that covers the information as you probably uh, were able to tell in jfk oliver stone just a character a minute in this movie just an insane cast and everyone comes in and just does their own thing yeah (laughs) the wigs kevin the wigs in this movie oh i could do a whole episode on just the wigs of this movie because there's that interesting mix of like is this purposefully bad or is this oliver stone not really knowing how to like keep his movie on the rails because on what you know 
if you're casting John Candy as some New Orleans businessman, what? What is going through your head? What a moment! I loved what it. I loved it. I loved it because I thought it was so absurd. Like I liked this yeah. movie because it was just like, what on God's green earth is yeah. going on? <laughs> like. I don't know. Like, I thought Costner did a great job, and I was surprised that he didn't win. Wasn't even nominated for Best Actor for this movie. Yeah. Like, that's shocking. But, like, overall, like, what is this movie? Like, <laughs> what is going on? It, it is weirdly, incredibly entertaining. Oh, yeah. And it's, like, it doesn't even feel like three. I mean, I did watch it in, like, two segments. Mm-hmm. But, like, it didn't feel three hours. It was kind of like, okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm I'm really curious with with the context that I gave you of like Oliver Stone's just how he makes films. Do you are you approaching the film a bit differently now, or is it still? Do you still have it on like on good fun terms? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Give me a minute to reevaluate as we discuss. <laughs> since we're on the since we're on the topic of how he makes evil movies for evil people, okay. Let's talk about Oliver Stone real quick. Yeah. What do you know about this man? Of course, you have met him once before. I've met him he once was before. the screenwriter of Brian De Palma's Scarface. Right. So strange. Yeah. <laughs> uh, notoriously was trying to direct that film behind De Palma's back, was talking yeah. to Pacino in between takes, and was kicked off the set for doing so. Uh, what do you know about this man? Very little, except that he's like a strange liberal figure. Yeah, I think centrist might be Centri- yeah, centrist liberal feels centrist. more appropriate. Yeah, which at this point all liberals yeah. are centrist. <laughs> <laughs> a liberal with radical tendencies, I would say. Okay, is he like a figure in your understanding of like modern pop culture? No, not at all. Okay. To which I say, what the fuck happened? Because <laughs> Oliver Stone, because I agree with you. I think Oliver Stone is like who? Who the fuck is that guy? Let me run you through this filmography real quick. I want to you to keep in mind what you said in our previous episode about oh, Dog Lord. Day Afternoon. Okay. About directors' outputs and uh-huh. how in, in the 70s, it was like, oh, three years is like a quick, you know, kind of a slow turnaround. Yeah. Or, you say slow? Yeah. 1986, Oliver Stone directs Salvador. 1986 as well <gasps> directs. Uh, releases Platoon, which he wins Best Naturally. Picture for, Best Naturally. Director. 1987, Wall Street, Charlie oh Sheen God. and Michael Douglas. 1988, Talk Radio, an adaptation of Eric Bogosian's play. 1989, Born on the Fourth of July, the Tom Cruise starring Oh my vehicle. God. And then 1990, he takes a break. He got lazy. But you know why he got lazy? Three and a half hours. <laughs> He makes JFK, and he also releases a biopic about Jim Morrison starring Val Kilmer called The Doors. He releases a music biopic and JFK in the same year. 1992, he takes off. Why? Because he's making Heaven and Earth with Tommy Lee Jones. 1994, he makes Natural Born Killers, a Quentin Tarantino script. Naturally. 1995, he directs Anthony Hopkins in Nixon. 1997, U-Turn. 1999, Al Pacino in Any Given Sunday. And then in the 2000s, he pivots to both documentaries and war epics. He does Alexander in 2004, World Trade Center, aptly enough, in 2006. Oh and uh, uh, a movie all about George W. Bush called W, w. that releases in 2008 as George W. Bush is still in office. I remember. 
Uh, he has a couple other films, but I the big thing I, I want to just point out here is as soon as we turn into the new millennium and we get into the 2000s, he becomes one of the worst filmmakers working. <laughs> just, I don't know what the fuck happened, but he goes from 1999, Any Given Sunday, being one of the most insane films yeah. maybe ever made that we have to talk about on the show. Okay. To just going, okay, time to just do doo-doo dog shit. I don't know what switch flipped. World Trade Center is the one with <sighs> Nicolas Cage, right? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. And it is unfortunately not a JFK type movie. It is a film. Do you know what World Trade Center is all about? No, it's like the, it, I don't know. It, yeah, it's not a conspiracy theory movie about 9-11, which mm-hmm. you would think it would be. It is instead a very like straightforward, weepy, Nicolas Cage is a firefighter trapped under the rubble. Okay, this is what I thought. And he goes through his life up until the moment of wow. September 11th, 2001. He saved, spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, a weird, not what you would expect, especially given how JFK just kind of clues you in that this man can go off the rails. He just seems like the kind of guy who is like an every single, every single person who's like us has, who's like, you're going to get more conservative as you get older, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that's the spirit of this man to me. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest giveaways is the fact that in JFK, he very obviously loves John F. Kennedy. Oh, my gosh. He's addicted to the man. Wants to gluck luck him to no He has a no character end. say that, what, that the greatest American tragedy was the assassination of JFK. <laughs> <laughs> Do not forget your dying king. <laughs> oh and that's the thing is that like you would think that that is Kevin Costner's character's like his own form of obsession coming through when really that is maybe the purest expression of Oliver Stone's love for this figure for yeah. this man. Whereas uh, I'm like okay this is actually like a huge pivot and turning point in the American history because it's like to me I'm like oh this is the American government basically being like hello <laughs> We can do whatever we want and tell you whatever we want. Yep. And most of you are going to be like, yep. <laughs> I'm fascinated by the Kennedys as I think a lot of people are. I don't know. There will never be another Camelot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I they love up- Jackie. What you can love- I say? Yep. <laughs> Big fan um, of the Pablo Lorraine film, Jackie, of course. Obviously. I don't know. I just think he's like, I don't know. I think that the general like mythos of the Kennedys is endlessly fascinating. You know, like there's this gorgeous Vampire Weekend lyric that's like, <laughs> you've got the luck of a Kennedy. And that just, you know, <laughs> you immediately know what that means. Like that is so fascinating to me. Like that this, this like this, like one of the only American dynasties, basically, like basically like, the original American royal family is the Kennedys. And what happened to all of them? <laughs> Horrible yeah. things. It's, Which, it's macabre. Hell yeah, it's, by it's, the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's macabre, and I'm kind of um, addicted to it in a way. Yeah. The Kennedys uh, lead way to like another bit of like kind of like weird presidential shifts. Country is kind of veering more center right. And then, yeah. of course, you have Carter, who creates a whole new uh, generation of ennui and depression. <laughs> So much so that people are like, yeah, fuck it. We're going full fascist. And Reagan rules the country for like a full decade. Yeah. And then we get the Bushes and we get that new dynasty. I'm like, are we not still being ruled by like Reaganomics? <laughs> oh, God. Still feeling the effects of that. 
Yeah. I mean, here, here's some context on the Kennedys that I have found fascinating. I've been, of, of the books I've been reading, I've been reading Legacy of Ashes, which is one of the essential uh, <laughs> lonely man books to read. Uh, it's a history <laughs> of the CIA. And uh, here, here's so a statistic. Dark, man. <laughs> um, Eisenhower, of course, rules the 50s. Our idea of the 50s is ruled by Eisenhower's policies. Mm-hmm. Essentially accelerates the Cold War to the point that Kennedy basically adopts. In this book, quote, Eisenhower had undertaken 170 major CIA covert operations in eight years. The Kennedys launched 163 in less than three. You texted me that quote while I was at the wedding where I got COVID. (laughs) (laughs) I sent the omen. (laughs) I was like, woof, all right. (laughs) So in many ways, I have learned you wouldn't learn it from Oliver Stone's JFK, but you would l- learn it from basically any historical document. The Kennedys were, in many ways, one of the great American crime families of the history of the country. Yeah. Uh, truly sadistic. Uh, <laughs> really just loved blood. Ooh, man. Love spilling blood like they loved coming. Just great stuff. Great stuff from that fam. Holy I mean, boy. yeah. Which one, which one had 11 children? Oh God! Was that the, was the Robbie, other one who was assassinated? Oh, oh, uh, Robert. Yeah, Bobby Kennedy okay. had eleven he had a, children. He had eleven kids. Yeah, I learned that from Jesus the film Chappaquiddick. Christ, dude, <laughs> they're Irish. <laughs> <laughs> is that racist? <laughs> uh, not today. It is. <laughs> I read a really interesting review of this film on Letterboxd, and I forgot who it was from, and I forgot what the basis of it was. It might have been Jamel Bowie, but he brought up that I think one of the biggest thing that holds this film back, obviously it's Oliver Stone loving John F. Kennedy. It stops this movie from being as acerbic and mean and wicked. It already is. Don't get me wrong, but it could go even further. And it's in many ways because Oliver Stone does believe that some of the theories are true. Instead of this being a movie where all the theories could be true. You know what I mean? Like, if there's a difference between knowing there's a truth in it and making a film where, you, where everything's the truth, where it can really spiral into mania. I think this movie definitely has, like, a sense of control to it, despite being pretty off the rails. Like, it's still kind of guiding you to a, a central conclusion. I imagine a dream version of this movie where it's incomprehensible. <laughs> <laughs> where it's like, man, maybe Lee Harvey Oswald was really OP. Maybe he just really was good enough to make those three shots. Maybe he was just really dope. <laughs> you know, like maybe if that was as valid of a truth as, oh, but also the CIA set up Lee Harvey Oswald to kill JFK for because JFK wanted to end wars as controlled as it is. As you can see, uh, this is still a movie that if you start discussing it and start going through town, the same abyss that all these characters do, uh, you start sweating and you start stammering. And uh, all I want to do at the end of this movie, all I want to do, Aya, it's the Goodfellas effect. When, you know, people watch Goodfellas and you're like, oh, I want to become a gangster. Oh, no. I watch JFK. And the biggest thing I think is, oh, my God, what if I got a bunch of my closest friends over to a restaurant 
and we just plunkered down. We solved the Kennedy assassination. And we just solved the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. That scene where it's Costner, it's Metcalf, oh, it's Rooker, my God. it's Seinfeld guy, it's yeah, everyone at the night. table, everyone's eating, everyone's just like getting real into it, everyone has a very ex- like specific point to make to everyone else's point. And Laurie Metcalf a dream conversation. sits down and she just spills oh. tea. God, man. Yeah. At the end of JFK, all I want to do is sit down at like Buca de Beppo and sit for like four hours and just be like, okay, let's solve something. Yeah. No, that's what it feels like. It, the rush of this movie is like, let's figure this out, right? Like, let's get more, like we, if we get more eyes on this, I think we can get a lot done. <laughs> that is, that was a part about the film that I really liked. Again, probably the studio note where it was just like, I loved how, Every, no one was ever, no one was ever like you're crazy there's no way like everyone was game obviously michael rooker was not also what happened with that plot line where they're like hey michael rooker is clearly giving information to somebody else like shouldn't we stop him and then he's like you're fired <laughs> i don't do ultimatums i was like buddy what well, I mean, what's he what's he gonna do? Like, is he gonna kill Michael Rooker? Is he gonna be no better than the CIA? No, he's just gonna, gonna, gonna yell at him. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> it was just wild. That whole sequence was on me, and then you never see Michael Rooker again. But I do love that no one is like upset. And I really I sent you the best scene to me, which was when they're all sitting at the table and he's like, what if? <laughs> It was the CIA. And everyone is so shocked by this. Like they but like it's so subtle, their shock. Like Wayne Knight just like takes his pipe out of his mouth. And Kevin Costner's sitting there like, and what about it, baby? Addicted to that scene. I gotta, you're missing some of the best moment of that scene though. Speak because it. not only that he's bringing up, like, what if it was the CIA? Yeah. He's bringing up a story of an innocuous piece of paper with oh something my God. written on it. <laughs> what Just, if? Maybe something is written oh. on it and he knows that it was ripped up and thrown away. And to the full table, Kevin Costner goes, well, in that paper must have been the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And everyone does that look that you just described. And you're like, yeah, probably. Like, may- I don't know. Like, why is that maybe? Thing? What are you talking about? To me, it's simultaneous. Like, maybe what are you talking about? And also, like, why is it shocking that, like, in every step of this, you're like, I'm sure it probably had to do with the assassination. <laughs> why is that shocking? <laughs> Lee Harvey oh. Oswald walked a note into the CIA office. <laughs> I'm sure it had to do with the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> Like yeah, of course it did. This movie made me made me nuts. It made me nuts. I put my phone down and I watched that full courtroom oh my sequence. God. I watched that full courtroom sequence. This is sequence awesome. And was like, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> let's go, buddy. Now, okay, so now I'm really curious because usually this is something that's a lot more difficult for us to come to terms with. Okay, a movie that is obviously. I don't like saying problematic. I, I'd rather just like point out exactly what's wrong with it. This movie is very obviously uh, misogynistic and incredibly homophobic. Oh my God, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. And it has like a vision of the people's history of the United States that is steeped in those two thought processes and those two ideologies being righteous. Like 
Kevin Costner's wife is played by Sissy Spacek. Oh my god. And oh again, like clearly a studio note to Bob to even put her in there. Miserable. A a miserable role. A miserable just every single scene, you're just like, no. Every scene is just excuse me, woman, your pulsating pussy is in the way of my investigation silence. Like that's it. That's all it is. Every time she pops up on screen, she just is noise to distract him from his work. How dare you solve the Kennedy assassination? (laughs) (laughs) And then the sexiest part of this movie happens after Bobby Kennedy is assassinated. (laughs) (laughs) And then obviously, uh, this very much popularizes the idea uh, that honestly goes into QAnon, where it's like, the cabal that is at the head of all of this, they all want to fuck your little boys. That's all they want to do. They're hosting sex parties. Kevin Bacon looked good in this movie, I'll say it. He did. And he's like, you know what? All the he gays, did. they're also racist. <laughs> it's a really good performance and also a very specific time in the early 90s where white actors were just like, oh, my character says the N-word in the script. I'll take actually, it. Write in more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, okay, but like, this is, this is a film that, not, it's not just like a, oh, there's problematic representation. Like, at its core, what it is trying to share is demented. Yeah. Like, it is very obvious. This is a person that we should not be listening to. It Actually, in most scenarios, in today's climate, what you and I do, people that have this viewpoint, we are actively silencing <laughs> for the betterment of our neighbors. <laughs> How and why are we still into this movie? Is it a Robert Franco thing where it's like, if it's good, it's good? I think so. I mean, I don't know. It's like, I guess I'm just so used to traditional media like this. Like, this is, to me, like, such a traditional movie. And which is what I think, like, really, uh, when you were listing all these Oliver Stone movies, these are all just such traditional like a traditional boy movie, you know? To bring it back to what we freaking talk about, you know? Like, these movies are in and like if i'm renting a man's airbnb they're all gonna be (laughs) on that shelf you know so i guess i'm just like deeply used to this kind of vibe like this kind of like i don't know to me it's not shocking in any way and i don't think he even is trying to make it shocking i'm just like yeah yeah like of course it's homophobic this this country is like the basic foundation of this country is sharing those exact same ideals and this man is propping up john f kennedy who is literally like the poster boy of america as i said like the prince of america the king i suppose like, of course it's going to be homophobic, and of course it's going to be sexist. Like, yeah, sure. That's that's America, baby. That's where we live. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm used to it. Aren't you used to it? I think I'm used to it being expressed subconsciously. Okay. You know? Like, gay characters and, like, there's something about Mary or Fairly Brothers movies where, obviously, this is coming from a place of great ignorance. Yeah. But I don't think it's a hate crime. <laughs> You know, like this is these guys are stupid and they should know better for being grown adults. But this is obviously not a targeted offense. I think JFK is a targeted offense. <laughs> like, obviously, Kevin Costner's character is 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 questioned on that. Like, his wife is like the one good scene she has is where she's questioning him on why he's pursuing this case 
is because it just because it's a gay man. Why are you harassing this gay man? Yeah. And it's an interesting point that gets brought up, but it also feels very removed from what Oliver Stone cares about. Like, obviously, he gives Sissy Spacek that line because everything she says is bullshit. Like, yeah. Who cares about this stupid woman? Of course, she's going to bring up this concern about the gays. Again, Mwah. probably again, probably a studio note. <laughs> like, let's just remember, like everything <laughs> she says and does in this movie. I'm like studio note. They were like, get, please, I, Oliver, I, put put something else that's not just straight up your ramblings into this movie. <laughs> I guess I'm coming from the perspective of because uh, I've seen I saw Nixon this week, and uh, Bob Hoskins plays J. Edgar Hoover uh, in that film. And if you remember, we talked about it in Unforgiven, my experience with J. Edgar and how that movie kind of slaps. But oh Ain't my you? God, Clint Eastwood really buys into that. Oh, he's evil because he was gay. He was gay. Uh, Nixon is even worse than J. Edgar. There is a scene where you see Bob Hoskins and J. Edgar's quote-unquote lover. They're sitting in like robes outdoors at a resort, and there's this like small Mexican twink essentially that comes up, and he comes up with apples, and he <laughs> he fucking Bob Hoskins just like eats an apple out of the Mexican waiter's hands and then sucks his finger while he does uh, it. Love that for him. And it's uh, and every scene you see uh, Jay Edgar in, in Nixon, it is the most flamboyantly <laughs> gay, like n- not just flamboyantly gay, but like Christian youth group. Be afraid of this gay man type of stereotype. Yeah, where it just feels Oliver Stone has an issue. He has a real problem with gay people. <laughs> I guess the way I'm approaching it, the way that you speak of like w- like these other movies where you're like, it's not a target. It always is a targeted offense. It is mm-hmm. always a hate crime. Like, I'm like, no, no, no. This is on par with these other things. Like, yeah. I guess it's a different experience that we've had, though. You know, like I watch these movies and I'm like, I see it like horrible gay. Although that party did look like it slapped. Oh, my God. That looks so fun. But yeah, I'm just used to, I don't know, I'm just like, yeah, of course it is. Of course, of course. <laughs> those comedies that make fun of gay people, like, those are targeted offenses. Those are hate crimes. Like, let's not, <laughs> let's call it what it is. Like, they always are. <laughs> like, it's not going to be just like, oh, you know, like, let's just make a little joke about it here. Like, that is a, oh, no, gay people are stupid and bad. <laughs> yeah. I guess I on the scale of relativity of, like, gay people are stupid and bad to gay people will kill your president and then fuck your dog and then kill your wife. <laughs> Which I know, I like, you're right. Both are, are ultimately in the same camp, but I'm putting JFK in a different detention cell. You know what I mean? Like They get solitary confinement. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's where I'm coming from. I agree gotcha. with you. Yeah. You bring up that party scene, and all I could think about was uh, Tommy Lee Jones is always spoken about as being a curmudgeon is being a guy that just has to be like really you gotta either really pay him or he has to really love you for him to do anything for you he must love oliver stone how the fuck did oliver stone get tommy lee jones to do any of he's okay, painted but, gold okay, but let's remember that he's that painted tommy lee gold. jones is also like in men in black isn't he yeah, but he also was like very much did not want to do that. Oh, really? Yeah. I always think about him in the Batman movie and how he, uh, Jim Carrey like terrorized him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me do a deep dive on, on Tommy Lee really fast. Nope. That's wild. I don't know. I think he's I think he's 
I feel like to me he has a little bit more of like a soft side than like it. What have I even seen him in recently? I feel like I saw him in something very recently that I loved him in. I think if I think Tommy Lee Jones seems like a guy historically that does his best work when he's met with other hard asses. Like he's incredible in Spielberg's Lincoln. I think that's just like a level of respect thing. He's really great in No Country for Old Men. The Coens are just fucking freaks. Men in Black and The Fugitive, I think he's just a great entertainer. And I think that's the he, maybe the extent of this it. Man, this man works. This he works, man baby. works. I like Tommy Lee. I like Tommy Lee Jones a lot. Me too. I, it's always a joy when he comes up. He's good. I was like, seen, I didn't even recognize him hardly. I was like, this face looks familiar, but who is this man? <laughs> Tommy Have Lee? you seen Ad Astra? Dad Astra? Brad Astra? Dad Astra? No, I didn't. Brad Astra? I missed it uh, in theaters and I was like, what's the point? Oh, uh, Tommy Lee Jones is the point. Okay. He's the dad floating mm. off in space. Good to know. <laughs> he abandons his, his son. <laughs> and when his son comes face to face with him, he goes, yeah, I did that. <laughs> and? And? <laughs> It is so good. Oh my god! Tommy Lee Jones gets a best supporting actress, uh, actress, uh, best supporting actor nomination uh, for this film. It's a, it's an insane. I mean, you just want to name off some of your favorites in this cast, Aya, because it's just the the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, okay. I loved. I was de- devastated that he didn't have a bigger role, but you know, I love to see my man Vincent D'Onofrio in a movie. Yeah, he popped up for like two seconds. Yeah. That's right. He's the guy who ducked. <laughs> <laughs> it, one of the two people who ducked, who now give tours of the grassy knoll for $500 a person. Psychotic. Yeah. Psychotic. Um, Which also, that doesn't make sense because it's, it's a public space. Oh, but they have like, they like lead tours and like tell stories and stuff like that. You what, know. What's the story? That JFK died here? That's the story. Uh, well, That's they the watched story. it, how they witnessed it. <sighs> okay. Uh, you know, I... This movie was stacked. And every time I saw someone new, I was like, no way. <laughs> well, before we get into people we'd love, let's talk about let's talk about Gary Oldman's performance in this movie. Gary Oldman okay. cannot do an American accent. And it drives me nuts that um, he has gotten the acclaim that he has and he cannot do an American accent to save his life. Okay, but let me defend this performance real quick. I don't think it's bad. I'm just saying he can't do an American accent. And I know that he's kind of Russian or something. Like, there's a lot going on. I think that's a key asset to it. I don't think he's going for that. I think he's trying. I don't think he's going for it, but I think Stone is a smart enough filmmaker to know that it's going to work. Because the whole thing with Lee Harvey Oswald is, of course, the the theory uh, that especially, uh, what's his fucking name? The theory that Jim Garrison is going off of is there's no way this guy could have fired off all these three shots with such perfect precision. Had to be more people. Especially uh, once then, he discovers that there were, in fact, more shots shot. Exactly. But then Lee Harvey Oswald, he's a 24-year-old who is basically a communist sympathizer. Yeah. Uh, is The big thing is that like he's having meetings in Mexico with like different Cuban consulates. Like he, What Lee Harvey Oswald actually does is very bizarre and it does create some questions of like what's going on here ultimately personally i think he was just a normal like i think lee harvey oswald is basically no different than any guy you meet today who identifies as a communist <laughs> i think they're kind of just the same like they love being in over their own head they're basically doing it as a response to their suburban parents and at the end of the day 
they kind of just want to do the action rather than service the ideology. And that's all they do. And if they have but to go he, to Mexico to meet Cubans, they'll do it. But he was like a CIA plant. That's a big theory, though. Okay. That is okay. not at all confirmed. He it went to Russia and he got rid of his American citizenship, became yes. a Russian, Russian citizen, walked off the plane back into America and was handed a new passport. <laughs> Come on. Hey, have you traveled during COVID? Have you seen how nobody checks documents? <laughs> have you seen how little people give a fuck when you're a white dude going from Russia to the States? <laughs> okay, Just going to an airport before. Like 50 years before a TSA. <laughs> Just walking back and forth. Lee Harvey Oswald could have done anything. I buy it. <laughs> he was invincible. I buy it. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, I think Gary Oldman not being able to do the accent and like almost like feeding into it. I was, I was just being like, oh yeah, what if Lee Harvey Oswald was just like this weird Russian this plant? weird guy. It's he was, weird he was good. He was good. I think it works. Uh... uh so do you have any fine. other dishonorable mentions or do you just want to shit on Gary Oldman? I just want, I just don't, I, I just am like so eh about Gary Oldman, man. I, I feel you. You I know who's you. seen, had me freaking in his, in the palm of his hand in this movie? Donald Sutherland. Oh, what a scene. yeah. The Mr. What X scene, baby. a scene. I rewatched it like three times. What a scene. What a scene. Oh my gosh. That Loved is it. a scene that has probably radicalized the most people. Yeah. And I mean that very seriously. Of course. How could you not? <laughs> you look at the comments of that scene on YouTube and folks are going buck wild, like thanking Oliver Stone for the film and for changing their outlook on the American experience. Oh my God. <laughs> that Mr. X scene is probably the centerpiece of the film, even though it's not like a... It's not like an, uh, a classic movie scene. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. It's just, oh man, I love it. I love a movie that just throws information at you, unfortunately. I love exposition. I love to be handed information. I love, <laughs> I, and like you said, like the scene at dinner with Laurie Metcalf, just like rattling off facts. I love it. I love it so much. I thought it was so, I, because, because I like, like, I, I, I'm just imagining how long it took to film this movie how many 72 days that's, that's it wild because like there's just so many like the the, the editing which i it, i believe it won best picture best editing for or at least was nominated is insane just like how many times they cut away to like flashbacks recreations all of these things it's incredible it's incredible it was so cool i mean like are the politics of this movie absolutely demented yes but <laughs> the movie itself like it kept me engaged for three and a half hours. It had yeah. really good performances, you know? I mean, the dementedness is like part of the attraction. Like just thinking about in 1991 in your local multiplex, you could have you could a scene. see the Zapruder film. <laughs> where not only do you see the Zapruder film, but you watch like Kennedy's face flap off of his skull six times in a row looping. Like you could back just into go the left, do that. Back into the left. Like one auditorium over, you could be watching Steven Spielberg's uh, Hook, and then on your other side, you can go to Disney's Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> and right in the middle, Oliver Stone is repeating the Zapruder film for $6 <laughs> and a popcorn. <laughs> like, that is fucking 
awesome. My favorite movies of the year were the ones where Keanu Reeves skydives at <laughs> two times, and the one where you see the Zapruder film on on screen. <laughs> Yeah, it's a demented film, but it's also like there are very few films that really question the American empire quite as directly as this does. It's you know? sad. He's talking like, his shit. Like, but like very explicitly. Like, I think yeah. it, what's really interesting is this is the 30th anniversary of JFK. We also spoke about the 30th anniversary of Terminator 2 this year and how James Cameron is doing a form of social commentary, dressing up the main villain as a police officer. Compare that level of social commentary <laughs> to what's going on in JFK. Like, not only is there nothing of that, of JFK's type during this time, there's nothing like JFK now. No. <laughs> Do you think there should be? I mean, I guess that's, again, why I m- mentioned the report because i do remember sitting there and they're just like talking about how obama was doing like drone strikes every single day and i was like this is happening in a theater right now like you could walk into a theater you could go on amazon prime and watch a movie in which adam driver's like an obama was doing drone strikes you know yeah that's the only reason i compare that's the main reason why i compare them where i'm like we're just talking about this now it's okay to just discuss this <laughs> do we need more movies like this i don't know Right? People like it, are so much stupider now. I'm people serious. Are a lot stupider. And I think now that we've proliferated the idea of fake news, yes. it is like ethically wrong to make a film like this where you so elegantly weave fiction and fact. Yeah. And you present it ultimately at the end of the day as a presentation of history. I think it's invigorating. I think there's a, a part of me that mourns that Oliver Stone can't make this in Nixon. By the way, if you like JFK, Nixon is going to be, that's that's the one. Oh, it's going to be great. <laughs> um, but these are two films that are literally fake news. <laughs> like, it is straight up, you look at the very etymology of why we are here right now in 2021 in September, you have COVID right now. Hey. <laughs> it is because of fake news. Uh, it is... I think if you were to make something like this now, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would be for it as some sort of like weird revolutionary return to this type of movie or if I think it would be completely re- reprehensible. I, I don't know what my reaction is. I think would I would be. just feel fear of what people were going to do with it, you know? Yeah. I mean, people are out here twisting. What was it? I am legend. As an excuse not to get vaccinated? Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, like, like the power of stupidity, the, the grip that stupidity has on this country, <laughs> and media illiteracy. I fear anyone watching a movie like this nowadays. It is an odd shift because I'm thinking about conspiracy theories and what makes them, quote unquote, conspiracy theories. And it's often someone on the lamb thinking that they're right and everyone else is wrong. But I think the situation that we're dealing with now is at such a level of delusion. You see a majority of the base that is taking ivermectin to cure coronavirus, which, by the way, is a fake disease. It's, it's like it, it's, just, it, it's just misinformation. Like, it's not even a conspiracy theory. It's just a pure feeding of, of lies, right? Is there a difference? Do, do people that are in QAnon and 
thinking COVID isn't real in the Ozarks. Are they conspiracy theorists or are they just being fed absolute bullshit? I think to be a conspiracy theorist, you have to have a level of like at least like one piece of concrete proof, you know, Mm -hmm. to like latch on to and then to maybe build your case around that. Because it's like, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier when you were like, is it a conspiracy theory or is it what did you say? Is it a conspiracy theory or is it just a complicated, just complicated thing? I think there's like three tiers. Conspiracy theory, complicated thing, just a little story that you were told. Like, (laughs) like it's like I think about like Pizzagate and I'm like, where was any evidence? You know, like I think about true legitimate conspiracy theories. There has to be evidence. There has to be at least one like with, with the Kennedy assassination. Obviously, there's no way that it was just one guy like the single shooter theory is impossible, basically. So like, yeah go ahead go nuts with your conspiracy theories but i feel like and there has to be a greater thing working together that you are fighting against but when you come to like a pizzagate situation or even that like covid is a hoax like ultimately it's like okay but then why you know like why like i know why the cia would cover up why kennedy was assassinated i don't know why the government would such like the entire world would make up covid it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And it's just like, it, it, so it just, just feels like lies. Like, it just feels like lies and misinformation, ultimately, you know? And I think that's also, that it, it's just it, what makes it so much more difficult to de-radicalize people right now. Exactly. You know? Yes. There's no basis of truth with which you can pivot someone off of. It is, it is not so much what people are doing with the evidence as it is what dogmas people are creating. Yeah. And how do you, how do you turn someone off from their own personal Jesus? You know, like how do you conceivably save someone like that? Especially because there are so many quote unquote conspiracy theories that are legitimately real. Like there are, like you could turn to someone and say, like, okay, you think the government is bad? Like here's a million bad things the government has done to other countries around the world. Here's a million bad things the government does to its own people. Every single day. Debt isn't real. Like, like student loans aren't real. That's a conspiracy theory. And they're just like, you sound crazy. Like, no, you know, like, it's just so it's, it's misinformation. It's just an ideology shift. Like, they don't want to hear the, the they, they don't care. They don't care about other people. Yeah. I think also a, a bigger issue that I face is not so much like talking to like right wing chuds who are like so deep down the well. Of, of complete fantasy, but it's a lot of like Oliver Stone types. It's a lot of like centrist liberals Yeah, that it gets really difficult to explain like, hey buddy, I know that you're really into the stock market uh, and I know that you think that the how, like American experience is what you make of it. There's no systemic problems here. It's all about your mindset going into it. But let me show you a history of the United States. Let me like connect A to B to C to where we are here at J. And that's when I get the most patronizing ass. Yeah. Like, okay, all right. That I think, maybe that's always, that's probably always been an issue, you know? Yeah. Where for us, it is so easy to write off QAnon shit as conspiracy theory. It is just as easy for someone who just wants Reagan back to (laughs) brush off some left leaning ideals. As nothing but ideals, 
you yeah. know nothing connected to the actual history of the country uh global history i don't know it's tough it's dumb it's Sorry, truly, what, to yeah. me it always comes i always think about like like kamala harris for some reason where i'm like i know all these like okay liberal people who are like very excited about their black lives matter flags and they're like yep. yay pride but then they're like i love kamala she's my hero yeah. and then i'm like okay well kamala sucks and it's like okay well <laughs> why and i'm like she was a horrible da like all this stuff and they're like oh so what next you know you just, what prisons are bad and i'm like yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like it's like, like the answer is always like yeah, like yes, but like it, it's just like the the system of people just don't want to question the system. Ultimately, like they want to get back to some kind of like strange like American experience that's like glorified by Hamilton and and like people who were like, oh, isn't it amazing how you know Michelle Obama and George W. Bush are like buddies when they go to events? It's like what? <laughs> like, what are you talking? that's that kind of person where they're like no they don't want to question the general structure of our like politics society like the money they don't want to question any of it they're just like let's just keep going but let's let's rebuild i want the queer bank (laughs) i you know who that type of person sounds like (sighs) speak on it kevin the type of person who would want to move into the middle of woods and not know any of this that you mentioned earlier. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> Just because I want my spooky old house in Maine. <laughs> How dare you put that on me? I find it so fascinating that at like minute 10 of this pod to minute whatever we're at right now, you can basically track how you have radicalized yourself via Oliver Stone's <laughs> JFK. <laughs> you literally changed your entire worldview in the span of a podcast. I'm just saying, I shouldn't have all this information and no one else should. That's what I'm saying. Oh. If I must be forced to participate in society, then fine. Fine, but I would rather remove myself and everyone else from it so we could all just vibe in the forest and hang out and eat cake and 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 just like eat berries and like talk about, you know, like animals and stuff like that. Okay. I don't want to know the phrase main character on Twitter. I don't want to. I don't want to. It's different, Kevin. It's different. <laughs> it's not that I don't want to participate in society. I don't want there to be a society. <laughs> oh my god! Return to monkey, I'm monkey Stone Age it. now. I'm tired of it. Tired. <laughs> don't you put that evil on me? Don't you put that evil on me? <laughs> Look, some shit changes. <laughs> But some things no. just stay the same. Like Kevin Costner always being hot as a motherfucker. We are now at the most wonderful time of the episode. What a pivot. Here we are. <laughs> Hottest of the flick. Oliver Stone's 1991. JFK. 
Okay, Aya, I feel like this is already a home run choice for you, but for the sake of tension, drum roll, please. Well, I think you're going to be surprised. Who's the hottest little flick in JFK, Aya? To me, to me, listen, I respect Kevin Costner as a stud. Oh, no. But (laughs) hottest of the flick, Oliver Stone JFK. My girl, Lori Metcalf. Every single time oh. she appears on screen, she is info dumping. I love that. It's an attractive quality. Every single time she's on screen, it's just a bunch of men listening to her share information. You don't get hotter than that. So All hot. Right. I love right. Lo- I love Lori Metcalf. Okay. I just saw Scream 2 for the first time. Ms. Magnifique. Lori Metcalf. It's all about her. Kevin Costner does look great in this movie, though. Don't get me wrong. Like, I... We didn't really talk about Costner much, even though I'm dying, I'm gagging to talk about Costner, but we well, can do Well, I that. thought you were going to choose Costner, so that's why I introduced this segment now. I thought it would be a perfect setup for you, but no, Metcalf is a great choice. But let's Kelly, go yeah. runner-up Costner. I want to hear, you brought up to me before the ep that your parents hate Kevin Costner? I feel like so many adults hate Kevin Costner. Like, people what? in my parents' age range, my parents are in their early 60s, people in, the early, in their early 60s, late 50s right now hate Kevin Costner. Why? I think I think the you're water so world wrong. Thing, I don't think I'm wrong. I think there's a weird aggression against him. I think it's because of the water world thing. I think people. I think it's because of the dances with wolves thing. I think people just really think he's arrogant, which he is. Yeah, but also like dancing with wolves is like largely like a classic boomer film. Still, they maybe liked it, but I think that a lot of people are very a, a lot of moms I know are anti cost. What the anti cost. Kevin Costner, I, I've sp- I brought this up to you, Aya. We could absolutely do a. Full I think we should do a month. month I think we should do a month. Kevin Costner. Because I find him to be such an engaging actor. I watched Draft Day last oh year, God. baby, and I was like, he should not be doing what he's doing for me right now. He I mean, should not got- be doing what he was doing for me and Jeff. He was so good in that movie. The Untouchables, mm-hmm. Bull Durham, Dances with Wolves, The Bodyguard, and last but not Bodyguard. least. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. If you build it, Field they will of come. Dreams. If you build it, they will come. One of the most important American films ever made. Never seen it. <laughs> I have never seen it either. <gasps> That'd be a fun app. Yeah, I mean it's it's on the list. Don't, Let's do Costner know, Month. Costner Month. There's there's like a whole sports month we can do, but Costner is like critical to like 80s 90s understanding of the level-headed American white man. Like, not even white man, just American. Yeah. This guy is the American. He's the ultimate baseball player. He's the ultimate cop. He's the ultimate Native American. Yeah, he's everything. He built the water world. Patreon-exclusive episode on water world. Look out for it, <laughs> folks. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really interesting how Jim Garrison, the uh, DA that he plays in this film, was much more regarded as much more of a freak than Stone is letting on. I was gonna say he's being weird. <laughs> the An vibes are off. <laughs> I don't know if JFK the movie gets into this, but the jury deliberation after he gives his speech lasted under an hour. <laughs> it kind of seemed it was like I mean I know there's like the whole like movie magic detail of like oh it was really fast but it did feel like shockingly fast when they were like yeah we're ready to go <laughs> Ed Asner by the way being cast as a, a like a staunch anti-communist racist mm-hmm. is just very funny glib against typecasting 
Uh, Ed Asner recently passed away. You know Ed Asner's deal, right? Not Outspoken really. socialist. Okay, great. Yeah, hell like, yeah. Like, really, like, one of the most pro-union voices out there was identified as a socialist. Uh, it, there's, like, a very, like, funny aspect to this movie where you have, like, a bunch of, like, classic comedians from, like, the 60s and 70s just, all coming in yeah. to just do terrific, dramatic roles where they're just quivering. Jack Lemmon truly feels like you are convinced that he is going to get sniped. A thousand percent. <laughs> Who's your hottest little like, Kevin? You know, I had an odd thought. Oh, brother. This is a guy <laughs> that I think in every film he's ever been cast in, he's always the freak, the scary weirdo, or the tough one that you don't want to touch. Mm-hmm. In JFK, I have to admit, I found a handsomeness and an incredible classic, is it classicality, classicness, to Michael Rook. I knew you were going to say that, and I agree. I agree. I texted my friend. Hold on. Oh, man. (laughs) Yes. So brawny. Yes. Yes. And beautiful in this. Yes. Yes. And it's a real shame that no one ever really utilized that. No one else can figure that out for him. He really is a scary looking man anytime you see him. Except here. Except here where he is dashing. He's like a traditional Louisiana boy, you know? Yes. He looks yes. handsome. It's wild. I, 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 I mean, any woman here is really not given anything to work with. I mean, like, maybe one of, like, the titty dancers at the strip club in the I beginning. I think that the women who said that the CIA and the committee changed their testimonies. Yes, yes, yes. Both yes. of them are really <laughs> This is very big facts. Yes. Yes. Uh, but you get annoyed whenever I pick characters like that. Exactly. So I tried to refrain. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I also, I, he looks the worst maybe he's ever looked. But I was really bummed out that Walter Matthau did not have more to do in this. Because in that Always. one scene where he's on the plane just shooting the shit about how fucked up the Warren Commission is, it's just very funny. It's just very funny that the Warren Commission, the uh, committee uh, set up by LBJ, that was for some reason headed by Alan Dulles, the former head of the CIA, who was fired Fired, by Kennedy. Fired by Kennedy. Fired by Kennedy. (laughs) Uh, This insane scandal that ultimately uh, determined that it was a single shooter and that Jack Ruby, who killed Lee Harvey Oswald, did so because he wanted to protect Jackie from a court hearing. And that was what laid everything to rest. These two guys just laugh it off like it's normal bullshit in the United States. And uh, there's no better person to laugh off the United States than Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau. Oh, we love Walter Matthau. That's my house the flick. Michael Rooker. Best he's ever looked. Gorgeous choice. Gorgeous choice. to one of the best character actors to ever do it. Evil movie, but uh, I... I, I'm I'm gonna rewatch it for years to come, I absolutely will as well. There's a world where I think you can watch this seriously. I think as you did this first time where you were kind of trying to figure out what's an info dump and how am I being lied to? I think how this movie progresses as you know its rhythms is just absolute camp. Yeah. That's, and, uh, see, that's how it kind of felt though. Like even though I was kind of like, okay, okay. I was also kind of like, is this? <laughs> and the answer is yes! resounding yes. Folks, thank you for listening to I versus the Big Boys. 
Aya versus COVID versus the big boys on the Merry-Go-Round Magazine Podcast Network. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Please send us an email at Aya versus big boys at gmail.com. Please follow Merry-Go-Round Magazine at MGR Magazine on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Please join to the Patreon, patreon.com slash MGRM. Be safe. Wear your mask. <laughs> Learn from my mistakes, I beg. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>